And I've always been a firm believer that nothing is gained if you don't really step out of your comfort zone and really go for what you want. Yeah, that has been how I live life. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. All right, so we've been talking about landing a remote job for a while now, but the one thing you're probably most curious about is how to learn the online skills you need to land these jobs. I'm not just talking about getting a brief introduction, but learning from actual accredited schools so you can be taken seriously when you apply for these jobs. You've been waiting for a while, and I'm really sorry about that, but I have finally created a whole page listing the best courses to take from teaching English online to becoming a freelance writer and so much more, all from trusted sources that will get you that remote job. So if you're ready and serious to take the next step, then visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. Again, you can visit theoffbeatlife.com slash learn online skills to get started. In this episode, I speak with Isabel, who is a full-time travel blogger and SEO coach. She loves roaming the world at whim, making the world her playground. Her mission is to help aspiring bloggers and brands achieve traffic goals and financial freedom with online content. So listen on to find out how Isabel exposes millennial travelers to experiences beyond their imagination. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Isabel. Hey Isabel, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much, Isabel, for being here with us. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, for sure. So I am a travel blogger at Bell Around the World. I have been blogging since 2015 and I managed to turn it into a full-time career in 2018. So since then, I've been traveling full-time. And while well, I went back to Singapore, where I come from, in early last year, 2020, during the pandemic, when it hit, I, I left Singapore in October 2020 and have been traveling as a digital nomad since. So it's been slightly over a year now. That is pretty incredible. And how did this all happen for you, Isabel? Because that is a lot of people's dreams is to be able to just make money while they're traveling and you're able to do it with your travel blog. Yeah, for sure. I did have my own struggles when I first started. When I first started, I was a student. I did my university exchange in France. And so that's how the travel blog was born, actually. And then... As I went deeper and deeper into travel blogging and was doing a lot of research, I came across a lot of case studies of people who managed to make it happen. And then I thought, I really want to live that life too. <laughs> but then I was also faced with realities. Like I was a fresh grad. I had zero network. I had little, like limited internship experiences. And so I thought that I wouldn't be able to make it out on my own in this world with zero experience behind me. And so I thought I had to, I had to work in a, in a social media agency for a year or so while working really hard on the blog. So 
whenever I had spare time, I would always be researching and learning and experimenting and figuring out Google Analytics on my own and trying to be as active as I can on every single platform. Yeah, eventually the hard work did pay off. So that's the short story. (laughs) And this is, I'm sure a lot of people ask you this question because this is what most people are curious about. How long did it take from zero to actually making this a an actual business, right? To make money from this. How long did that take for you? Yeah, good question. I love I love answering that question. So <laughs> you have to first understand, it, like it's kind of a mindset shift. In the beginning, I always treated it as a hobby blog to document my travel. So it didn't really matter if it looked its best or if my content served my audience the best. And so I, de- I didn't dedicate as much time, of course, because I also was working full time. Yeah, it was only in 2018 when I when I made this shift, I was like, okay, I'm going to make it or break it. So I was at this turning point where I just completed a working holiday in New Zealand. And I had two choices. I could either go back to Singapore and look for a full-time job or use this time off before I got any full-time job before I was tied down to anything to try and make the blog work. And so it was really this shift in mindset that made me get serious with blogging and made me make it work. And so with blogging, you know, there are different income streams. There are like sponsored post opportunities, brand partnerships, social media partnerships, advertising. And so I knew that in order to really scale up my blog and really make a full-time income from blogging, I had to have a decent traffic. And back then, Mediavine accepted bloggers who had 25,000 page visits. And so that was my really number one goal to hit that, that baseline traffic. From then on, with bigger traffic, you not only get more advertising revenue, you also, advertisers are attracted to you and they want to partner you. You are able to raise your prices as well. And so to me, having this traffic goal was the, I would say the the first step you would want to take in order to turn hobby blogging into full-time blogging. Yeah. And you mentioned you had this mind shift and you ended up just hankering down, making sure you were serious and you wanted this to turn from hobby into an actual full-time business. So when you say you became really serious, what does that mean? And what was the actual actions that you took to become serious so that you could make this into a business? Yeah. So I worked on it full-time. So I treated it as a full-time job. I dedicated at least eight hours a day. I went back to either re-optimize all my posts or delete them if they were really redundant. Like I remember I have one post about how I celebrated New Year countdown in Paris. And from an SEO perspective, like from a, if I wanted to get visitors visiting my blog through Google search, that is not going to count. That is not going to provide any value. And so I really went back and, and did an overhaul on all my old posts to decide if something is worth beefing up or it's, I'll just discard them totally. And also I, I made my first big investment with hiring a custom theme designer to, to really rebrand my whole homepage. 
That is awesome. And that's one of the things about travel blogs is that people not only go there to read the articles, but also to look at the images, to look at the places, because it's it is it's like a visual journey as well as a story that they're going for. And obviously the tips and tricks, you know, where to go and what to see. So I love that. And you all should definitely go to Isabel's website because it is really beautiful. You have a lot of incredible places that you've gone to and it it definitely shows for you. So when you finally did that, right? And I know you said that back then Mediavine was 25,000. Now Mediavine actually upped it to twice as much. Now it's 50K, right? Yeah. And um, that's why a lot of, when they actually did that, I remember this, so many bloggers were complaining about it. But in a way, I think it's it's better because then it makes you become even more serious and the money is better too at 50K. So, so once you did that, Isabel, what are the other strategies? I know one of them is SEO, and we're going to definitely talk more about that in your extended interview. And then you hired someone to make sure that you had a really great brand and template for your website. Are there any other things that you can share with us that really shifted everything for you that allowed you to, to make this into a full-fledged business? Yeah, for sure. The first thing is to really define your audience. I mean, I don't want to go down the conventional road and say that everyone needs to have a niche because in all honesty, my blog isn't a very niche travel blog. I like to I like to encompass different styles of travel. So I like to talk about food. I like to go on adventures, but I also like the scenic route as well. So when I say define your define your target audience, for me, it was really narrowing down the country demographic I wanted to attract to my blog. And for me, it was the US. So, I mean, I, I could go down the easy route and say that I just wanted to target Singapore because it's a smaller audience, it's a smaller country, and so it'll be easier to rank. But my direction was towards the US audience. And so for the US audience, the easiest way to boost your traffic is via Pinterest. And so when I was... This close to 25,000, I was really pushing a lot of effort into Pinterest to, to really push up my traffic. And it did work. <laughs> I love that. How are you feeling about Pinterest right now? Because they're doing a huge change with the platform, right? And it's not the same as it was before. Do you find it different, harder? How has that changed your, I guess, your strategies and techniques with, with that platform? Yeah, for sure. I have I have done many different strategies with Pinterest and I started with manual painting. I think there was this platform before Tailwind. It was called Board Booster or something like that. So I was <laughs> on there for a bit and then it closed down. So I went with Tailwind for a year, pinning 15, 20 pins on its own with the auto schedule function, as well as really creating a lot of pins at bulk each time and even then I was also pinning on Facebook threads and all of this was really time consuming even with hiring a VA which I did for a while I yeah for sure there were traffic spikes from Pinterest but it was really time consuming and for me I'm always looking for the the easiest the most efficient way out and so with so much active work on Pinterest 
eventually I realized that there were other more efficient methods to grow my traffic. And so right now I've really taken a backseat with Pinterest and all I do now is manual painting. But even then I don't place much focus on it anymore. Yeah, it, it's so interesting because I've um, I've spoken to a lot of different bloggers and they've said the same thing too. And even with the people who were getting a lot of traffic from it because of all the changes that Pinterest has made, right? Now it's not really conducive to what we want to do as people who have websites because they want people to stay on Pinterest itself. And I, I have talked to a Pinterest strategist that says you can do a lot of these different strategies. But for someone that is mostly about their website and they're doing other platforms to relearn all of these things, it's just a lot of 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 newness, right? So Yeah. They 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 introduced ads as well. So a lot of yeah. focus was is placed on ads. And so it's even more difficult to get your reach as it was before. And also the introduction of video pins, Mm -hmm. which is extra effort on top of designing your pins. You have to design video pins now. It's just way too much. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, we could definitely repurpose, but if it's not doing enough traffic for you, there's definitely other things that you can do. And, you know, SEO is obviously one of them. I did speak to another blogger, Isabella, and I don't know if you do this. Do you put a lot of emphasis on, on social media to grow your platform? Well, honestly, no. The only social <laughs> platform that has really given, like, has really proven results for giving me traffic was Pinterest. Mm-hmm. But even then, it yeah. because, and I mean, let's talk about it. Instagram, you only have one link in bio to really push out your posts. And if you really wanted to promote every single post whenever you push out a new image, that's going to take a lot of effort updating the link. And then, Facebook as well, if you're not sharing within the platform, they usually single you out. They don't show your posts anymore, which is why I've found that social media doesn't really do that much with um, driving traffic. But sure, it's also important to keep an active social media platforms as well as a, as a blogger. But it's not like when it comes to driving traffic, it's not the most the best platform. Yeah. yeah. I, I do I do agree with that. And it's so interesting because I've spoken to huge bloggers with, you know, hundreds. Um, some of them even have millions of traffic a month. And that is the same thing. Like they don't even go on social media. Maybe they'll post here and there, but it's not the thing that they do to drive traffic to their website. So this is so funny. That's why every time I talk to a blogger like you, Isabel, who does really well, that's the one question I always ask. Like, do you even use social media? They're like, no, not really. I'm there here and there. But but I do have to say, though, for people who are maybe consultants or coaches, I have seen social media work really well. But again, it's different on how you want to interact with your audience, because in that way, you're getting clients instead of traffic to your website. So there's definitely different ways to use social media. But I actually, you know, absolutely agree with you on that. I found it to be the same. So it's it's really interesting. So one of the things that I also wanted to get back to is 
when you first started, and I'm sure you still do it now, is when you did that research, right, regarding how you actually make sure that you're getting visits and you're getting traffic. And one of the things that we always do is do our research. How did you make sure that you're going to the right places? Are there any specific websites and resources that you go to that is super helpful for you to drive traffic? Yeah, the very first way to see if traffic works for you is, of course, to look internally, to look at feedback. And the best way to do that is through Google Analytics. So you want to study what are the best performing posts. If in my case, it's in travel and I blog about different destinations. So then taking a look at what kind of destinations are doing particularly well, what kind of themes are doing particularly well. Is it in travel? Is it in food or Is it in adventure or is it in packing lists? Things like that. From there, you have an idea of what draws or what Google favors in your website and also what your audience are drawn into. And so that's going to be the first first, um, direction to look at. Secondly, when it comes to researching, I usually have, I would have like a vague idea if I was in Medellin, I want to blog about Medellin, but Medellin is very broad and things to do in Medellin is very broad. So I would go into this keyword research tool called Key Search or also Hrefs if you have a bit more of a budget and really go and look at the competition, look at the long tail keywords and see what kind of, what kind of information people are looking for. Even if you don't use these paid keyword research tools, you can always go into Google, search uh, a broad term, say managing things to do. When Before you hit enter, you can usually see a list of, in the dropdown, different long tail key- keywords related to the word managing. And so that gives you an idea of what people are searching for around that broad term. Yeah, I love that technique. And that's definitely a great way to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, you know, Google Analytics is free. You can just sign up for it, put your info there, and it has everything there for you. So I love that. So going back to your journey, Isabel, and this has definitely been a few years and there's a lot that you have done so far. In order for you to kind of make sure that you're, you know, you're prepared. Was there anything that you had to do? Did you have any savings? Did you plan everything out before you became a full-time blogger? I definitely did have savings as a backup plan, just in case. Because with blogging, you don't earn, you're kind of like a freelancer in a sense. You don't earn a stable income. And so it fluctuates time and time. And again, especially with the pandemic, everything Mm -hmm. went down. And so it can be unpredictable sometimes. So yeah, it's definitely good to have some savings as a backup. Apart from that, in terms of preparation, I didn't really have any real solid preparation. Like if I were to choose a location for a base, okay, then yes, I do have to do some research to see if the country or the city that I'm going to has what the cost of living like, if it has reliable Wi-Fi, Yeah, the different resources available there if it has a digital nomad presence. So those are usually the key factors or key considerations that I take into account before moving to a place. But other than that, once I settled on a a place, I just try and wing it. Like 
<laughs> yeah, try and live like the locals do. And usually it doesn't sound as scary as it as it does before you ever visited that place. Yeah, and I think it's scarier when you're just planning it out or when you actually overthink things, then uh, you stop yourself from doing it. But you, I feel like you've... You've traveled often enough, right? So you were in a lot of different places before you decided to become a digital nomad. So this is obviously something that you've always wanted to do. And now you're doing it full time, but you became a digital nomad during the pandemic. What was that whole situation like? Because most people would be like, I'm not going to go anywhere I'm just going to stay in one place for now. Hopefully this all blows down soon. But you did the opposite. So what what made you decide that? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's quite crazy. It's Yeah, I actually have the pandemic to to thank to really launch this digital (laughs) nomad lifestyle. Back in, yeah, back in 2020 when I was in Singapore, I, before, before the pandemic, I used to travel full time, but like usually it would be for press trips and then I would go back home for a little bit. Or I would, I would move to Japan for three months, which is as long as my visa allows, and then come back to Singapore for a little bit. So I wasn't away from home for an extended period of time. And also, I mean, there's this parents thing as well that is always, <laughs> they're always encouraging me to come back home, things like that. So, so yeah, it was very different before the pandemic. And so I went back home for Chinese New Year. I was there for eight months. And because I was used to traveling every few days I, like the last <laughs> the, the the last the longest time I was home before the pandemic was maybe two weeks so then I would always be overseas and I would be used to living on my own already so being home f- during the pandemic for that long eight months was really excruciating I mean not yeah not it, it wasn't bad it was just like I wasn't used to it and I wasn't as inspired as before. I couldn't blog about travel. I couldn't, yeah, create content in a sense. It was just very suffocating being home, being stuck because of all the restrictions as well. So with the encouragement of some friends in the US, one who happened to be living in an RV. And when I was at home, I was actually binging a lot of travel van conversion YouTube videos. (laughs) So that really like sparked me in revitalized me and I realized that that was what I needed and and with the encouragement of my friends in in the US they were like oh everything is contained back then it was still like relatively free to move around as long as you had your mask on yeah so I booked that one-way ticket to Seattle (laughs) that is amazing I love that and I love that you kind of just put yourself out there. And I know that during that time, it was really scary. And even now it's still a a pretty crazy time for for a lot of people. But you're like, I can't do this. I have to actually do something with my life. Otherwise, I'm going to go crazy. And you do have that itchy feet, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think I, yeah, part of me really thrives adventure and thrill. And yeah, for sure, there were plenty of risks. I I had like mountain loads of um, masks packed. I had I had the face mask on. No, the, the the one with the eye, the face cover. My parents insisted I got them. I had like two or three hand sanitizers. Yeah, there were a lot of risks. And it was also not easy crossing crossing countries. Yeah, I was actually held at the Japan airport for 24 hours. 
while transiting to the US. So it was fraught with a lot of uncertainty. But then again, I felt, I feel like the whole, my whole travel blogging journey has been like that. And, and I've always been a firm believer that nothing is gained if you don't really step out of your comfort zone and really go for what you want. Yeah, that has been how I live life. I love that motto. And I think we could all learn from that because there's so many times that we just wait for things to happen, right? Like you could still be waiting in Singapore right now and it's already 2021 and you're like, all right, when is it safe to go? And obviously you do have those risks, but sometimes you just have to take them, um, especially not stopping your life, right? Not, not just making sure that you're living every day, but you're actually, you know, enjoying it and you're making the most out of it. So I love that mentality that that you just shared with us, Isabel. So what is this new, like, I feel like most of my, my friends who are travel bloggers, it's it's different, right? It's different now. There's a lot of different changes and there was a lot of panic, especially in 2020 when there was nobody researching how to travel. But now things are starting to open up, but things seem to be a little different. Are there any changes that you had made for your business going forward? Yeah, for sure. It was during this pandemic when I thought of pivoting from becoming just a content creator in the travel space to someone, to, to an educator of some sort, because I had been already blogging for six, seven years now. And I've managed to build a life around travel blogging and I've managed to build a life around what I love. And so I thought it this could be the time to pivot since, I mean, since there was no travel content to be written, I thought that, um, yeah, I would actually come and create a course and see how it goes. And so now I have also, like, this has been part of what one of my main businesses right now. And it's been a fun journey relearning everything. Because, like, after you've been in the travel blogging space for so long, there's just so much you can learn. And after you've mastered all of it, it becomes stagnant in a way. And so moving towards creating courses has been like an act of learning and relearning for me, which really stimulates my brain and, and really revs me up in a way that um, travel blogging used to do for me. And so, yeah, it was like learning all over again how to attract a new audience because now it's no longer about people who love to travel, but people who want to learn how to travel and make a full-time traveling. Yeah, and it's interesting with all of the things that you had gone through and obviously everybody, you know, there's a lot of obstacles that you went through because of this, but... If you just put your, you know, your effort into it, there's also a lot of things. There's also a lot of opportunities. And this is another thing that you had gained from it. Now you have courses and different streams of income. And it's so interesting that so many people are able to now have multiple streams of income because of the pandemic, because now you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to make sure that I have other things going. Otherwise, I'm screwed. I don't want to be in the same place again. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely really opening it's been like eye-opening for sure with the pandemic everyone's realizing that they can't be stuck in one place anymore mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see how many people who didn't even have remote work like on their radar now they're like 
getting a taste of it and they love it. And now there's so much more remote workers out there. So it's kind of an interesting time to live in because before what we do and how we live was very unconventional and it was unstable. And now this is actually more stable than just... Yeah, it's like we're pioneering the remote work movement. Exactly. And I love that. And now there's so many people that are into it because first of all, they have no choice. (laughs) And second, a lot of people realize that they actually enjoy it as well. But so Isabel, let's look into maybe 30, maybe 30 to 40 years from now and you're looking back in your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Ooh, wow, that's deep. I definitely (laughs) want to be remembered for being the action taker for being not afraid to step out of my comfort zone and live an unconventional life. Because if I never did that, I would not have such an enriching experience and such a fulfilling life, not just in terms of um, seeing and experiencing everything in travel, but also internally, I have learned and grown and developed so much, just having to work and figure things out of on my own as as I guess what you can call an entrepreneur as compared to just someone who is a hamster on a wheel and doing the daily mundane tasks in and out. So I do want to really inspire and motivate people who feel like they are stuck in their rut to really take the action and follow their gut and really choose the life that they they have been yearning for. Because it sounds scary being coming from a certain life to an uncertain life, but really the adventures, the excitement, the what you can gain from it is so much more worth it. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Isabel. Were you always like this? Were you always the type of person that just went out there and adventured? Or was this something that you had to learn yourself and push yourself towards? I wouldn't say that I've always been like that because... Being brought up in Singapore, everyone's kind of living a default lifestyle. So when I travel, I used to travel with either a a companion or a family or friends. The first time I really forced myself to get uncomfortable was when I booked that one-way ticket to France to do my student exchange because I was like, this is something that I have to do before I go into the workforce. If not, I'm going to regret for all of my life forever. And so I had these bucket list places that I wanted to go. And if I couldn't find anyone, I wouldn't be just sulking there in my dorm room. <laughs> I I am going to book that ticket on my own and figure things out and speak sign language just to get there and, <laughs> and, and experience it. So yeah, so I guess that experience being traveling alone in, in Europe really challenged me and and made me do things that I never thought I would, like couch surfing in strangers' home, even if (laughs) it was just a male host. So that could, yeah, that was the scary part, but I overcome it. And like, it, it, it makes you stronger, whatever you have lived, whatever you have overcome. Yeah. Well, I, I love that, you know, because a lot of people think that if you're someone as adventurous as you are, Isabel, that it just comes really naturally, you know, that it's just so easy. But In the beginning, especially the first time, it's really, really scary. And 
sometimes you even have anxiety about it, right? It can be debilitating, especially if it's out of your comfort zone. But once you step out of that, once you take that first step, it's like you can't go back again, you know, because you have a taste of it. And even though there's a lot of fear and sometimes anxiety that goes along with it, the I guess the gift of it and the reward from what you're getting from that is just so much more than the actual fear. So, you know, for the listeners out there who have anxiety and fear about going out of their comfort zone, you know, Isabel didn't have that confidence in the beginning. I definitely didn't. And pretty much most or all of, you know, the people I've interviewed didn't have that either, but it's just it takes that first time, right? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't deny that it's scary, but there are certain ways that you can go about to overcome the anxiety mm-hmm. and fear. One of which is to really take precautions. Like um, you definitely, right now with technology being so advanced, you can actually share your Google location with friends and family, like close to friend, close friends and family. So that's one way to really safeguard your safety the other one is, of course, to keep them updated. Yeah, just to, you know, make sure everything is is going fine, to give periodic updates to your f- close close people. That would be one way to really keep safe when you are traveling to the unknown. And the other way, like for me, I was very, like every time I think about doing something scary and it deters me, I think about what, I would feel if I not do it. And then I know I would be overcome with so much guilt and so many what ifs. And so that that is primarily what spurs me to to move forward, to hike that 6,000 meter mountain in Bolivia. And yeah, I guess that kind of, um, that really, that really emboldens me. Yeah. And I, I really, really love the fact that you said that, that, you know, you can be adventurous, but also have safety um, measures that goes along with it. You know, you obviously don't want to just go into something blind and you're not protecting yourself, especially as women. You know, that's one of the things that we're always concerned about is our safety. So, you know, make sure that you're being smart about it as well. And, you know, Isabel, you have some really good tips about that because you've been doing this for quite some time. And um, I'm sure it's it's been quite a road for you, but we really appreciate it and for you to be here. So if our listeners want to know more about you, Isabel, where can they find you yeah my travel blog is bell around the world so you can find me at bellaroundtheworld.com and i am also active on all social media platforms i am most active on instagram i usually share my insta stories of my day-to-day life so yeah you can find me there awesome thanks so much isabel we really appreciate you thank you for having me on here I hope you enjoyed this interview with Isabel. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to grow your blog traffic using SEO. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information.
Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.